It is spring, and there is hope to be had. Next on Principles and Policies. Welcome to today's edition of Principles and Policies. I'm your host, Barry Sheets, the Executive Director of the Institute for Principled Policy, and along with me today is our co-host, the Vice Chairman of the Institute, my fellow analyst and very good friend, Chuck Michaelis. And I'm really glad there is hope to go around. Yes, there um, is. Uh, if there's anything we need at the moment, it's hope, as you can see some of the things going on, but this is our show for uh, um, March the... 27th. 27th. <laughs> Uh, to 2021 and we're recording it on wednesday and as we're recording it barry and i are sitting here very one eye on the uh recording equipment and one eye on the vote going on in the house of representatives to override the governor's veto of the reduction of his emergency powers um he has made it clear that he's not happy with that Mm-hmm. Um, there are a number of the country club Republican types who are, oh, but we can't get in the governor's face. He's our guy. Yeah, well, we just had that happen, Chuck. As you said, we're recording this on Wednesday. It's about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and the Senate has just finished their override vote of the governor's veto of a bill called Substitute Senate Bill 22. Now, Substitute Senate Bill 22 establishes the Ohio... Health or Health Oversight Panel, which is a le- joint legislative committee, who will be able to, when we have another situation such as the pandemic or any kind of an emergency, health emergency that arises that uh, causes the executive branch to take up their powers to issue orders. Ab- directing how we live and and folks yes we're talking about the curfews we're talking about the masks we're talking about the closing of certain businesses the establishing of what's essential and non-essential the the whole nine yards the the telling you you can't uh, get a, a surgery that you've had planned for months because they're scared you're going to use up too much protective equipment that kind of garbage uh, and yes folks i'm going to say it it was all garbage okay you, you start looking at the data that's coming out now from other countries and other states we didn't have a pandemic. As a matter of fact, it's all been based, as we've talked in the previous programs, on falsified assumptions right. coming from one researcher in England who basically assumed the death percentage to be nine-tenths of one percent of the total population. So he had this forecast for Great Britain that 500,000 people would die. Well, other researchers started doing some of the numbers, and they realized that the number was like 0.023% which would be a total death count in a country the size of Great Britain of about 127,000. Chuck, do you know as of today what the total death count is in Britain over the last year of COVID? You know, I don't know. Um, Tell you what, guess the number I just said. 50,000. No, guess the number I just said. Oh. 127,000. 127. Guess what? That's 20% of what the prediction was. And, and if you take that and if you take that calculation and you put it to the other countries, the countries that did lockdowns, did masks, did all the punitive measures, the numbers are coming out the same as the countries that yeah. didn't do any of the lockdowns, didn't do take away your freedoms, and didn't force you into lifestyles and habits that you are not accustomed to. The same, that 0.023% or whatever it comes out to be is actually reflective of what the actual numbers of those who succumbed to this particular... Well, and that's if we yeah. if we accept 
that every death that's happened in the last year is all because of COVID. Well, the, okay, the baseline assumption on that death rate prediction right. was that essentially uh, it was more like Ebola. Well, and the governor's been touting that recently as part of his rationale for trying to, to veto Senate Bill 22 that, oh, if we have an Ebola outbreak, I won't be able to do anything and everybody will die. And the that's Ebola, just and, not true. Well, yeah. and first of all, that's not even what the bill says. Uh, as a matter of fact, constitutional law attorney Maurice Thompson from the 1851 Center for right. Constitutional Law took a look at the governor's veto message that he sent out on Monday. And he said he noticed nine misrepresentations or outright falsifications of the facts in the governor's letter. Now, this is a guy who's been suing the state over their responses to COVID-19, who has won cases in court in various jurisdictions overturning the, the government's position, who's looking at what the governor, governor is arguing and saying, he's lying to you. And guess what? The Senate knew that because, as I mentioned just before we started into this whole thing, and I don't want to get, I, I'll, we'll come back to Niall Ferguson yeah, and, yeah. and the garbage numbers. But the Senate, at about 245 today, voted on a vote of 23 to 10 to override the veto of the governor. Well, they needed to get 20 votes in order to do it because you have to have um, three fifths vote, so 60% uh, vote in order to get it done. They did. But. There's only eight members of the Democrat caucus in the Senate, right. so that means two Republican members. And I don't have the actual roll count in front of me just yet, but I will be getting it shortly um, to tell you who the two Republicans are who decided they would want to play defense for the governor and try to prevent the legislature from having the authority that they should have in order to say, you've gone far enough, executive branch, it's time the legislature steps in because you're actually trying to create statute through an executive order, and you can't do that. You're trying to direct how the people of the state live and move without the color of That's law. That's right. The, the governor under the, I forget when this uh, that law was passed, in the early 20th or late no, 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 19th. No, late 19th. It was 1896, yeah. I think, that that law was and passed. That, the governor was given power to quarantine the sick. Well, why can you imagine that might be a problem in the early 1900s? We don't have antibiotics. Smallpox. Yeah, smallpox. Uh, small, okay, you had smallpox outbreaks. You Then you you roll up into the teens. You had the Spanish flu, Yeah, which is what everybody modeled this COVID thing on. But the Spanish flu and the COVID were not, not even close. Not even yeah. close to each other. Um, and then you had some other outbreaks. Uh, and, of course, you know, if you look recently in the last few years, we had these measles outbreaks going on in various places that all of a sudden these local governments were trying to shut down entire communities over. And it was like and got sued for it and were shown that they were basically overreacting. Why do you think the 1896 law was written in the statutes in the first place? Because local communities were having these smallpox outbreaks and they were shutting the entire community down, not allowing people to come into the community or leave the community. Right. They were basically, their idea of quarantine and isolation was geographic, not illness-specific. Right. But that's not what that statute reads. So basically it said, no, no, no. Local governments don't have the authority to do this. Only the state health department has the authority to determine quarantine and isolation. Problem is, you're rolling here to the 21st century and Mike DeWine and COVID. They took that, uh, that grant of authority to mean they could do anything they wanted to do, including shutting down whole geographic regions of the state. 
yeah. or entire industries. Yeah, county by county, this county by county shutdown thing, uh, based on the number of cases per county, when there are all kinds of factors for why um, case counts might be higher in, in one county and not another, having mm-hmm. to do with um, the age of the population, uh, whether how much poverty is involved, because poverty usually means bad diet, which usually means poor nutrition, which usually means more susceptibility to illness. Absolutely. Um, and uh, that wasn't taken into account. Not, also, what, uh, what the governor did was he essentially required the quarantining of the well. Right. Which is not, which is a direct violation of the law. It yes. says specifically that he's allowed to write a quarantine for the sick. Absolutely. Now, for, for instance, in, in, uh, you know, flu per se wasn't known in the late 1890s. It was known as La Grippe. Uh, right. There, there were all kinds of names for it. Flux. Uh, uh, grip, uh, yeah. yeah uh, there were all kinds of names for it. But they knew that it tended to pass around in families. So right. usually what would happen, I, my mother still tells me stories about uh, um, when she was a kid in the, in the 1930s and 40s, um, some um, disease would pop up, some well-known to be contagious, didn't necessarily know the means of transmission, uh, of transmission and all that, and they would quarantine the house. And the doctor would come, uh, usually the doctor who made house calls. When was the last time you saw one of those? I saw it when I was a wee little kid, and I'm 64 years old. When I say wee little, maybe maybe 10. So 50-plus years ago, uh, would come and put a sign on your door that said quarantine. Right. And basically people knew not to come to the door. Right, exactly. That was a, that's a smart thing to do is if somebody's actually really sick, you don't go near them until they clear up. Yeah. And in this case, we basically assumed... I, I've had people... Uh, I've had encounters with people because I don't wear my mask unless I'm absolutely forced to do so. Like, for instance, we just had lunch out. Yeah. I wore it until I sat down at the table and I took it off. Right. Uh, I wore it as I walked out just to keep everybody happy. Uh, I didn't. I noticed you didn't. <laughs> no, That's I didn't. right. But I went to the post office the other day, and it's a little hole-in-the-wall post office. I won't say where. And there was a guy in there, and I he was all masked up and like you know, uh, and I wasn't. And he looks me up and down with a very arrogant look, and says, "And where is your mask?" And I said, "In my pocket." <laughs> <laughs> and well, just that way, but it turned. I mean, the guy. I went to the postal window to drop my packages off, and the guy backs way up against the wall and says, "Don't come near me." Oh, my goodness. This is the silliness that we're getting. People are paranoid that somehow these masks are protecting them from a virus. Uh, Absolutely not. As a matter of fact, the mask may be exposing them not only to the virus more than if they didn't wear the mask, but it's also exposing them to other potential health risks, including a a situation where breathing those masks, this very, very minute fibers that are in those masks, guess what? You can breathe those in. And where do they land? They land in your lungs. lungs. And what do they do in your lungs? Because they're a foreign body, your your body tries tries to fight them off. And so you end up with a number of breathing issues based upon the fact that your body is trying to fight off what it considers to be an invader and it's and it's spending its energy and time trying to fight your that lung problem off 
Which means you're more susceptible to COVID. Right. I mean, I have I wear a mask when I'm sawing or when well, I'm sanding and well, that absolutely. kind of thing. Um, the danger of the fibers doing much is there. It's minimal. But the, you're not wearing it for eight hours a day or ten hours a day or problem. everywhere you're going. The, from the moment you wake up in the morning to the moment you go to bed at night because you're scared to death of the boogeyman microbes. Look, there are people that are driving around in their cars wearing these things. I've seen it. Oh, I have too. Well, by themselves in their cars. And by themselves, nobody, nobody around. Windows closed. Mask on. Um, here's what you. The, the, here's I've the real people, danger. I've seen people out walking for exercise. Outside, nobody around them. Down a sidewalk, mask on. It's like, do you think that may be counter to what you're trying to do? You really. And we've talked about this before. If you want to go back, we've talked about viral load, and sure. and, and we we're not going to reiterate all that. No, just go back to our previous yeah. programs on principlepolicy.com, and you can, you, That's can right. you can download all of them. Outdoors, the viral load situation is such you're not going to get a you're not going to get this virus. You might catch one or two particles, and and so what? Uh, but you might test positive on a PCR test if you do that. Though. Well, you'll test pa- positive on a PCR test very often if they do it the wrong way, which they have been doing. Yes, as um, we found out. <laughs> whether you have it or not. Right, that's true. Um, that's true. And, and we've talked about that as well. Yes, we have. But the real danger here is is what Barry said, wearing a mask all day long, never taking it off, except maybe to, to eat your lunch, putting it right back on, same mask. The real danger is concentrating things like bacterial... Uh, pneumococcus. Right. Well, which Chuck is, well, the shorthand term is bacterial pneumonia, guys. Yeah. Uh, do you know what? I actually had one of our pastors in our presbytery just was admitted to the emergency room. Bacterial n- pneumonia. Pneumonia. Yes. And is he a mask wearer? Yes. Yeah. Well, and not not necessarily by choice. But I, I because, understand. Because of the, uh, where he, the position he's in and where some of his flock need, you know, are, are requiring the base. So. Well, I know that uh, um, PCA presbyteries are very often like OPC presbyteries where a lot of guys like to hear themselves talk, and so they go much longer than they ought to. Um, I'm, I'm not familiar with that. No, right, right, right. <laughs> um, but uh, the fact is that uh, the last presbytery meeting, I did not go over because I was busy on the Friday night where it right. started. Well, they got all the business done on Friday. Well, good. So starting in the morning and ending up at like 7 o'clock at night. But they wore a mask all day long except when they were eating lunch. And I'm like, I told them, I said, I won't do that. No. I, I just flat out won't do that. It's absurd. It's, it's really not healthy. Uh, it does nothing to stop the spread of this thing. Uh, because the real danger is from aerosolized virus, and and you're actually helping to aerosolize the virus. Mm-hmm. Are you catching the droplets? Yeah, your mask catches the droplets, and you know what it does with them? As you breathe out, you are forcing them through the mask, the mask, and which aerosolizes it, which is where the danger is. That's exactly so right. I, I I understand that there are those of you out here out there who disagree with that. And or, that's fine. You're 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 welcome, you're to, welcome to your opinion. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm not speaking. I'm not talking through my hat. Now, Chuck, this is I've said this from the get go. If you want to wear a mask, if you feel that a mask is going to help you, it's going to help protect your health, it's going to help you know give you peace of mind, whatever it might be. That's perfectly fine. I'm not saying you can't wear a mask, but what I am saying is that's as far as it goes. When you start doing what the, what Chuck mentioned right. at the post office, this guy was doing to him. 
That's called in trying to intimidate somebody or browbeat somebody into doing something that you want them to do. Exactly. Which means that you're trying to take away their personal sovereignty, their personal right to determine for their own their own selves what their health condition is and how to how to best go about preserving their own health. That's the problem with a with a with a mandatory mask mandate. It's it's garbage. And in many instances, it's causing both physical and psychological damage to people. Psychological damage, to be certain. There are people, long-standing relationships have broken up over this mass thing. My, right. my pastor and I were talking about this today. The people who are sniping at other members of the church from their Facebook pages, oh boy, stop doing that. Right. Respect what they're thinking on this thing. Now, if you want to have, if somebody's interested in discussing it, and you can discuss it in... Um, in open, honest terminology. But there are people who are so convinced it doesn't matter. Uh, don't confuse me with facts. Yeah. And it, why? Because it's their health, and they know that this thing can kill people. Yeah. We, Barry and I do not deny the fact. Oh, no. We have a one of our best friends, the, the chairman of the Institute for Principled Policy, just died. A couple of months ago, as a result of complications result from COVID, of complications from COVID, yeah. uh, his his major problem was he was on immunosuppressants for a, a liver transplant that he'd had. Yeah, and uh, he 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 was a sitting duck for the thing, and I'm sure he took all kinds of precautions. But the fact is, if God has decided you're getting this thing, you got it. You can be in a hermetically sealed pouch, and God will make sure that you get it. One way or the other, um, you know, I, I, the, I, this is a very tiny, tiny, tiny virus, and it will pack, right. pass through all kinds of porous things. Right. Well, and, and again, Chuck, to kind of roll back on what we're talking about, because as we're sitting here recording this, I'm, I'm keeping my eye on the corner. I've got the video playing of the House session where members are up on the floor, and they're passionate about what they're talking about yes but what i'm seeing is is the passion of the members of the the left side of the aisle who are wearing masks and who have tried to pass try to bring resolutions and bills forward to force everybody in the state house to wear masks around them but i'm also seeing members on the right side of the aisle who are standing up and they're speaking without masks on and some of them with masks on because they choose personally that they believe that that's best for them and they're not forced they're not telling the other side you must take your masks off. Right. And that's been the big problem with this whole thing. We have balkanized in this country, in this state, and in your local communities over whether or not you will blindly follow the dictates of a government who are acting outside the color of law. Okay, folks, that's what we're dealing with. Exactly. Here. And look around you. Those people who will get in your face, like this gentleman did with Chuck, and who will demand you comply with what the government tells you to do, are the reason why our country is turning towards socialism, and the reason why we've lost the idea of being a constitutional republic, are the reason why we have such... Let me just cavalier attitudes among our politicians as to what they can and can't do and get away with. Think of it in these terms. First of all, if you're wearing a mask and I'm not, right. you're just as protected as if I, w- I was wearing one. Well, absolutely Which so. is not basically not at all. But nonetheless, right. why are you worried about me 
when you're already covered. Now, because because you're ta- exercising your own personal sovereignty right. and freedom, basically basically paint a comparison that shows that perhaps I'm too easily led. Okay, think about and it. And that it's 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 a it's shame, Chuck. Yeah. They're trying to shame you shame into doing yeah. the same thing they're doing because you're not doing it makes doubt in their minds as to whether or not they're the ones who are being played for the suckers. And if you think that's not true, go back and review any one of the governor's uh, press conferences on COVID, especially right. when Amy Acton was in and and the uh, current director. Yeah, it's all embarrassment. Uh, you know, the, uh, there was a thing that was attempting to refute what we had said. That basically, uh, wearing a mask is like trying to block a mosquito with a double chain link fence. Right. It is like that. It is. But he was saying, well, all these droplets are blocked and all that. And we just explained that. That's not necessarily, yeah, blocked momentarily. Let's go back through this and think about it in terms of a homeowners association. How many people out there have been hoodwinked into joining an HOA? Oh, many. Thinking they're, they're getting their dream house, but it's in an HOA. Which becomes a nightmare. Which becomes a nightmare. Why? Because everybody in the neighborhood gets to tell you how, how you can't paint that color. That's not one of the approved colors. Right. You can't you put can't, that flag on you your flagpole. You can't fly a flag. You can only fly the American flag. You can't fly a don't tread on me. You can't fly um, Christian a, flag. a Christian you, you flag. Can't, you can't fly any of those. Right. Uh, I would have trouble with the Christian flag anyway because uh, I, our church used to fly it underneath the American flag. And I go, we're a church. That's supposed to be on top. Right, exactly. I know that what the law says, the Christian flag needs to be on top. We're a church. Right, exactly. Um, but the fact is, that. so how do you get around that? You basically don't don't fly either one. It's just the only way around it. Or the, the American flag would be on stage at, at the same height as the Christian flag. And I go, no, 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 right. no, no, right. no. It's not, it shouldn't just drop it. But that being said... A homeowners association is exactly that. We're going to do this for your good, even though it's really good for us. Because, you know, we don't want you to be able to, uh, you're not allowed to work on your car in the driveway. Right. Uh, You're not allowed to have that color car. I've heard actually people who said they didn't like the color. Somebody had their truck wrapped and it was this sort of olive green color. Yeah. Oh, that they tried to file a uh, complaint with the homeowners association, and they came out and investigated. Well, that's it's a little, it's an odd color. If I want to paint it pink and purple polka dots, it's like I'd say, whoa, whoa, whoa. you see, your your association name is homeowners association. That's not my home. That's my that's my right. private property. I do with what I want. But you, sir, you park it on your property. Well, I'll park it on yours. How's that? Yeah. Yeah, but there are all kinds there, of things. Yes. If you do carpentry work in your garage, you can't do that after 5 p.m. Uh-huh. You're repairing furniture in your garage. Sorry, you can't. Or you're remodeling your home. Well, the homeowners association has to come in and, and make sure that you're doing an approved design. Right. Um, that's exactly the kind of thing that this is about. This is about people who want to control your life. Why? Because they can't stand the idea that you might sovereignly choose to do something else. So when I say mm-hmm. sovereignty, I don't mean uh, absolute sovereignty like God has, right? Right, exactly. Uh, God, uh, God has uh, um, 
God's the only one with absolute sovereignty, but we have an autonomy, a certain amount of autonomy. Um, our autonomy has to do with the fact that God has given us the liberty within Christ to do all kinds of things. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Not uh, We tend to compartmentalize God, and this is another argument that we need to have one of these days. You and I won't argue over it. No. But the fact is that the church has gotten into a thing where, well, Jesus dictates uh, this part of our lives, but he stepped back and he doesn't do anything in this part of our lives. No. Yeah. Jesus Christ has spoken toward toward all avenues of life, business, family, um, personal, uh, you know, if you can name it, Christ has spoken on it. It's our job to discern what Christ said about it. These guys don't like that. These are the kind of people who want to bring charges every time somebody steps outside uh, the... Um, steps outside what they think the church should allow and disallow. Yep. Even though it's a matter of Christian liberty in a lot of cases. Yes. Uh, how long you wear your hair, whether you cut your beard or whether you go clean shaven. Um, well, I had my beard stuff. cut. It was just cut just slightly. You just cut that little part slightly. off. Yeah. I noticed you and I both had our ears lowered recently. That's so, right. Yeah. I got mine lowered further than you did. <laughs> I, well, I think you did. Uh, I, my, I didn't want mine quite as low. No, that's, that's right. right. My, my wife uh, cut cuts mine, and if she can't get it even, it gets shorter yep. and shorter. Well, I basically said, I told her, I said, Honey, you, you notice how all the the hairs on the side where it grows a little longer are trying to trying to help out the boys in the middle who aren't, doing much anymore yep and it all moves toward the center <laughs> yep. i like it when it gets longer so i can comb it back like i used to but that being said <clears throat> there are all kinds of of people in this world and there are people who want to con be in control and there are people who want to be left alone i ha i hesitate to use the word libertarian except to um preface it with a, a modifier christian libertarianism right because Christian libertarianism and libertarianism, secular libertarianism, are often vastly different creatures. Yep. Because Christian libertarian or uh, secular libertarianism can delve off into areas that has no uh, arguments are bad. But for instance, uh, pro-abortion is a left libertarian position. Uh, well, the state shouldn't be involved in any of these procreative actions. Well, hold on. The state's duty is to protect the innocent who cannot protect themselves. And when I say innocent, I mean judicially innocent. Uh, I'm not uh, walking away from uh, uh, original sin. Um, well, that's good. We don't want that. <laughs> are, are, yeah. Are, are, you get, are you messing with my Christian liberty? Am I? No. No. Not, not at all. No, because uh, if I if I had said that uh, uh, the other thing... Yeah, well, no, I'd, I'd have been messing with you. Then I would be a heretic. Yeah, you wouldn't have Christian liberty at that point. That's You'd be right. a heretic. That's it's right. No longer, there's no longer... You got it. no Christian liberty to be a heretic. You got it. Um, now, um, that being said, how do we combat this? The Supreme Court made the mistake of letting HOAs run roughshod and basically gave them quasi-government authority gosh when i was in college and that's back in the 1980s yep. there was a supreme court decision and i remember hearing it saying this is awful you've basically given all my neighbors the power to come in and tell me whether i uh 
you know, if I can replace my windows with a non-approved window. Right. Um, and there is something deeply wrong with that. And it has gotten goofier and goofier and goofier as the time goes on. Uh, one guy just got cited here recently, and he is suing the HOA. Good, good. Over uh, the fact that his, flou- his flag flapped too loudly in the wind. As if he could control that in some fashion, and he, he he needed to get a smaller flag, needed to needed to lower his flagpole, needed to basically um, put an order in that the wind blow the other direction or I, stop blowing. Okay, you know it's not like he's flying one of those car dealership flags, you know those thirty five by fourteen, what you know thirty five feet by fourteen feet. You go down places and they, uh, the, these car dealerships have this big patriotic display with these giant flags. Um, that's not what he's flying. He's flying like a three, a, you know, a five by three. Um, yep. But it, it, if the wind comes up, it flaps too loudly. Yep. And this is in a place where normally uh, personal liberty in these areas is respected, and that was in Fargo, North Dakota, mm-hmm. um, home of Christy Noam, who I I like a lot. Uh, she's gotten some flack recently, and I understand why, and I also stand, understand why she vetoed the bill. And it looks like she's going to get her way on that. And she will sign the new one. Uh, if you don't know what it's about, it's about uh, not allowing boys to compete in girls' sports. And thereby, really, she's talking in terms of saving Title IX, which it will, because uh, um, you may not know what that is. That's uh, forcing uh, public entities to, uh, if girls want to have a uh, girls' boxing team and the, and the, uh, Whatever educational institution yep. sanctions a boys' boxing team, you got to put up a girls' boxing team, too. And she's trying to save that because, let's face it, uh, any bruiser can go in, put on a wig, and uh, cut his beard off and take a couple of hormone pills and still be gigantic and go in and clean up in a, in a, in a girls' boxing tournament or wrestling, for instance. Yep. Which, uh, boxing was kind of a ridiculous example because nobody sanctions that in high school sports. Yep. But wrestling, they do, and boys are winning wrestling tournaments all over the place. And the excuse is made that, well, boys don't always win. What's the percentage? It's big. It's high. Yep. Uh, track meets. Uh, boys are always, uh, you know, there are, do girls occasionally beat boys uh, that are dressed as girls in track meets? Eh, once in a while. But for the most part, boys are breaking records. They're taking home state medals. Uh, when they shouldn't be. Um, I was not an athletic guy in high school, but you know what? I might have been able to beat uh, girls with a little bit of training, especially in track meet. I, w- I was beating guys that were on the track team in certain events, and, and I was not trained, and I, I, I had a little bit of natural talent in that area that I didn't know I had until I took a, a phys ed quarter. Okay, yeah. Um, and we did track. Sure. I did hurdles real well. I did uh, high jump real well. Yeah, you have long legs. I did long jump real well. Um, I came in second to a uh, member in our PE class. I came in second to a member of the track team whose event was the high jump. There you go. And I came in second, I think, because I pulled a muscle in the competition, which was no fun. Nonetheless, glory days. Um, Let's not relive them. Um, but I, I, I am concerned about 
the attitude inside and outside the Christian church having to do with this uh, sort of anti-Christian liberty thing. Yep. Uh, Now, my church, uh, I am an elder, and we voted early on after some rancorous discussion that we were leaving masks to the discretion of the individual worshiper. Yep. Um, We stated clearly, please respect the people who are wearing masks. And those of you who are wearing masks, please respect the persons who are not. Mm -hmm. If that means you stay away from them and you want them to stay away from you, make that clear. You know, I'll be back to talk to you after. Uh, I've got people who won't talk to me, yeah. except that of like an, uh, almost with the bullhorn or maybe by semaphore across the hallway. Uh, semaphore is the signal flag. Yeah, the I mean, signal yeah, flags you do um, for a ship. Yeah, it's the, old, it's the, the old, air, airplanes on a ship. The old joke uh, from uh, Monty Python, you know, the semaphore version of Wuthering Heights. Yep. And Kathy and Heathcliff are on opposite hills and they're waving flags. Oh, Kathy, oh, Heathcliff. Um, and then they uh, they did the the follow up feature on the same film bill was uh, Julius Caesar on an Aldous lamp, and if you know what an Aldous lamp is, it's the it's the blinking lamp that they use to communicate between ships when they don't want to run the radios. So they're doing yeah. So, um, but that being said, um, sure there are people who they'll they'll email me. We talk back and forth on email. They just they just won't don't want to come. Uh, and sit face to face with me. I'm I'm fine with that. I'm really fine with that. It's, I, I miss talking to some of these people, but I said it'll be back, hopefully. Um, I remember Barry, these uh, the the current phrase for people that think this way is a Karen. Mm-hmm. It's unfair. I have a cousin named Karen who's a sweetheart, and uh, she doesn't think anything like this. And nonetheless, they call them Karens. And I said, one of the problems we have with the Karens is uh, they were trying to ma- uh, push the idea that we would always be wearing masks in public. From now on, it's a new day. We're in this together and things are going to change. Well, things are, are going to change. They're, they're going to change. Uh, you know, ma- events like this tend to change things. Are they going to change for the better or for the worse? I think you and I are of the same mind that forcing us to wear a mask in perpetuity is going to do nothing except really separate us from one another. I've heard Pastor Doug Wilson talk about this. He's like, we are losing face-to-face communication. You cannot read someone's expression when they have a mask on. All you can see is their eyes and their um, eyes and eyebrows and forehead. You can't see what their mouth is doing. You can't see a frown. You can't see a smile. You can't see anything. You're losing that particular part of the, your communicative skills. And if you think that's not important, plug your ears and watch somebody with a mask on talk. Yeah, that's true. You, you can't do it. You see the mask move. That's it. You know they're probably making a noise. But when you see that person talk, when you get your fingers in your ears, when their face is open, yep, you can kind of tell what they're thinking. Uh, 
It's the same way with, uh, for instance, uh, my kids used to laugh at me because they'd come in and I'd be watching uh, Univision, Univision. Yep. There'd, there'd be some program on, and my kids would go, you don't speak Spanish. And I said, I don't need to. I can tell you exactly what's going on in this program. And I would yeah. re- relay the plot. Right. And, you know, I'm missing some of it, but I'm, I got it all figured out because I can see them. I can't see you if your mask is on. I can't tell. And that robs you of a part of your communication that is a gift from God. Yes. And when you sing with a mask on, A, you protect no one, and B, you are uttering muffled phrases. Uh, God knows what you're singing, but are you making a joyful noise to the Lord that all others can hear? Is it is it uh, part of the reason we sing out loud in church mm-hmm. is to ha- make a chorus of a joyful noise to the Lord. I've listened to some of our podcasts on, uh, and uh, sometimes you can hear my voice in there, and it's not very good. And yet the Lord counts it good. Yep. Why does he do that? Because I've made every every effort I'm capable of. Yeah, absolutely. And we we are losing that particular thing. Yeah, well, you're right. We are. But I, unless we all stand up and say stop, right? That's the problem, Chuck. And, and you know, this is getting back to what we talked about here earlier. You've got people like your gentleman in the post office who are being fed propaganda. Right. They're being fed a PR stream. They're being fed misinformation that they believe is fact. And then they're acting upon what they know. And as our old friend Mike Peruca used to say, it isn't what What you you know. know. It isn't what you don't know. It's what you know that just ain't so. That's the problem. Exactly. And that's where most and that's where a lot of people are living right now, Chuck. It is the things that they know that just aren't so. That if you wear a mask, I'll be protected. That's just not so. That yeah. if I wear a double mask and I force you to wear a mask and stay six feet away from me, I'll be protected. Doesn't work that way. That the only way we can get immunity from this disease is if we all line up and take a shot in our arm. Nope, that's not what herd immunity is. It got redefined here in just the last few weeks. That's right. By the World Health Organization, who have the CDC and the WHO folks are not independent bodies. They own patents. That's right. And guess what these guys own patents for? Certain vaccines. vaccines. That's where a huge amount of their, their and when you own from. And when you hold the patent, who gets the money? The patent holder. So, if you then turn around and say that everybody, the only way we get herd immunity is if everybody takes a shot, two shots in the arm. Well, okay, three shots in the arm. Uh, wait, 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 we got another strain, maybe four. Do you see where I'm going to? Yeah, one shot if you use the aborted fetal tissue. Uh, oh, by the way, the House just voted uh, with 62 yes votes to override the governor. Senate Bill 22 will become law in 90 days from today. Very good. Um so basically, that the House and the Senate got it done in the same day, which was kind of a shock. Thought they weren't going to do it. 
Uh, but Senate Bill 22 basically creates a joint committee. It also basically allows the authority, the assembly, the authority to, after 10 days, rescind an executive order from the governor regarding a health emergency or from an agency. So it affects both agencies and the governor. So what do I expect to happen next, Chuck? I expect the state to sue against themselves for overturning Senate Bill 22 in the courts. In a federal court, probably, or in a state court. State Supreme Court? State Supreme Court. That's not going to fly. I mean, it's a... It's of course a- it's going to fly. That's the only way they're going to hold it off. If Mike... If, if, if DeWine thinks that he needs to hold this, you know, power through the summer or into the fall for some god-awful reason, they'll do it. I, I can see because... And you got to remember, they will sue... They'll have to sue the legislature. Yeah. This should get extremely interesting real quick. Um, if they don't do it, then DeWine's basically... Uh, DeWine has basically acceded that he's going to end up getting beat up in a primary, in a primary. next yeah. year. The only way he can hold on to it is if he can get a court to overturn it. Okay, let's say he gets a court to overturn it. What would the legislature do if they were smart? We have the power of, of uh, impeachment. Yeah, that's what they'd have to do. They'd have to impeach him, and yeah. they should impeach him if he at, sues at that them. Point, at that point, they'd need, they'd need to impeach. And they also need to impeach any Supreme Court justice who votes to uh, overturn a legislatively, a, a properly yep. uh, passed uh uh, Bill, I'm going to have to ask our constitutional attorney friends. We've got three or four of them we know exactly where in history has the, has a, a state agency or the executive branch ever sued the legislature? Because I'm sure that it's happened in the past. Now, I don't know for sure, certain it here in Ohio, but I'm sure somewhere it's happened in the past where legislatures have been sued over the passage of their bills and not by private citizens. But that's the other side of the coin. Just like when this whole thing started last year, if you remember, we got to a point where we were supposed to have a primary election. That's right. And all of a sudden, the day before the primary, there was a lawsuit that was instigated against the state to block the, the, the uh, polling places from opening because of the fear of COVID. That was brought by a couple of private citizens. One by the name of Judy Brockman and, and, and another, I forget who else was. They're lobbyists. They were doing it because the governor's office asked them, asked to, sue them, them. to do it. Yeah. Do you not think that they won't pull the same nonsense with suing against this ever taking place? Now he'll wait almost the whole ninety days, and then they'll file the lawsuit because as yeah. soon as they file the suit, they'll ask for a, an emergency order to temporarily enjoin the enforcement of the law. That's what's going. That's what's. That's what's going to okay. happen. I'm not going to dispute that. Yeah, I, that's what's going to happen. Um, I, I think so, too. Yeah. That is what we're going to be facing, Chuck. I mean, it's just ridiculous that, that is, that's where we are in this state. But obviously, when they wanted to shut down the election and they knew they didn't have the constitutional means to do so, they got a couple of their lobbyist buddies to, as private citizens, file a lawsuit. Well, it didn't turn out the way they wanted to because the court looked at it and said, nope, don't have the authority to do that. <laughs> oh, the legislature can set the dates of an election. And then all of a sudden it was the midnight hustle to where? The Ohio Supreme, Supreme court. court. Who gave it to them? 
Do you remember? Yeah, and I remember saying at the time they should have been impeached. And if you remember, one of the members of the Ohio Supreme Court had to recuse themselves from the vote because, well, they happened to be the governor's son. Oh, that's right. That's right, Justice Pat DeWine. Okay? If you don't think history is going to repeat itself this this year, you're fooling yourself. Okay? Yeah, see, the legislature sat by and let that happen. Yep. Now, okay, if it happens again and they sit by and do nothing, they need to punish both the governor and the state Supreme Court. Because they do have the power yes, they do. to impeach them. Um, now, will that happen? Well, everybody's so afraid. Oh, if, if it doesn't go through, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. You don't seem to understand what happens to someone who's been impeached. They may win. Do you, do you remember Bill Clinton? What happened to Bill Clinton after he was impeached? Neutered. Yeah. He well, was, he was neutered. Basically, yeah, and and he also lost his law license. Let's not forget that. That was probably the biggest thing that could happen against him because obviously they couldn't get the conviction done in the Senate. Um, but well, think about Trump. Was he impeached? Yes. What did it do to him? Really, nothing. Why? Because everybody knew it was a put-up job. Yep. I mean, both times the grounds were laughable. I'm, I'm really laughable. Yep. The Russia collusion. I, I forget what the that wasn't the grant uh, the grounds on the first one. It was, uh, yeah, I guess it was. Wasn't it aid and comfort to to the enemy, basically? Something it, like it, that. It yeah. Was some uh, essentially what amounted to treason. The second one was uh, the whole false narrative that uh, he had caused this nonsense at the. At the Capitol and calling yep. it an insurrection when uh, actually violating insurrection has a definition. It's an armed revolt by um, military groups. Was this an armed revolt? Well, that one crashed and burned during the hearings to investigate when they said how many uh, Republicans said how many guns were confiscated on the Capitol grounds? None. Zero. Well, how could it be an insurrection? It can't be. Was there a riot? Oh, you betcha. Am I going to defend those guys that were in there doing doing that stuff? No, sir. They should be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. They had no business breaking into that building. Uh, were they? Uh, were they excited by outside infiltrators? That became obvious. That the answer is yes since some of those arrested were Antifa. Yep. And those guys are masters. They are trained. They go to camps where they learn, they, they train on how to whip up a crowd. All you got to do is put on a MAGA hat and um, carry a flag and uh, put, you know, a Trump 2020 uh, decal sticker, uh, whatever, and voila, you're a member of that crowd. Do you really think, you know, that did they really want Trump to win? No, they didn't. They wanted Trump to be embarrassed, and they pulled it off yep. because there were people who didn't know that they were being manipulated. It's true in that crowd. Well, no, I mean, and honestly, that's the, you know the whole idea of the madness of crowds. It doesn't take much for like get two or three ne'er do wells who coordinate um, their efforts in order to get a whole crowd moved. Um, 
We used to talk about this when you go into these facilitated meetings. Yes. If you could get three or four people and spread them around the room and you all start asking questions from different parts of the room, they're all designed to undercut what they're trying to facilitate up front and guide the meeting to. You can destroy You a can destroy a meeting. Yeah. Same thing happens if you get three or four Andifa who are wearing Trump hats who basically start whispering around, well, we need to go and take that over for ourselves. We just need to, we need to storm the Capitol. Let's go show Pelosi. Yep. Pretty soon, pretty soon, all of a sudden, you gotta, you gotta rush. And then, then you get, uh, Congress people who are playing the game, you know, as Sandra, uh, Ocasio Cortez. Oh, I, f- I felt in danger of my life. You were in your office in the House office building, which was four blocks away across from, the street, across and down the street. It's four blocks away from the, from the Capitol. Exactly. I've been, I've had to make that walk. I've <laughs> been in that building trying to do a lobbying. We, yeah. co- we couldn't get anywhere near our congressman that day. They yeah. had a national lobby day. My brother and I drove all the way over there and tried to get in there, but we couldn't get anywhere near it. <laughs> but, uh, so I've been in that building as well. Um, and, that's just not you were not in any i was hiding in the bathroom you mean from all the people who were in the capitol building yeah exactly you know four blocks away what what were you afraid they were going to do say hey they're not in here they're in their offices i can guarantee you that the people who who allowed themselves to be hoodwinked into going had no idea where the capitol office buildings were or if they did well some of them did but i'm sure the vast majority of them weren't even thinking that no no, they were in there. They were going to show. They were going to do people power. This is not what Trump called for. Trump called for a peaceful demonstration outside. I've been to some of those. I've been to ones where they said, uh, where the news media very cleverly uh, showed us in the front, and there were hundreds of thousands of us, and then showed this giant group in the back. And I was back there when they were taking those films. Yeah, there were about two thousand people back there. Yep. in the backside of the Capitol, but they made it look like a giant crowd. How do you do it? It's a ph- photographic technique. You tighten the shot and you shoot it from ground level, so it looks like there's just a sea of people. people. Yeah, there was about two thousand. Yeah, which you know didn't even cover the street. Yeah, and then of course if you want to minimize the size of the crowd, you go to where there's gaps and then you shoot it. From In, a wide angle, so that there shows like lots of space. Yeah. yeah, so so it doesn't look like there's too many people there. Right. It's it's an it's an old. Uh, um, that's is why I say photojournalism is a. Uh, um, an, um, photojournalism is propaganda. Yeah. Um, you can make it say anything you want to. Yeah. Pretty much. Pretty much. Well, you know, Chuck. Like I said, there's there's reason for hope. I mean, you know, and I, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be a wet blanket, but I, I'm just seeing that you know. We've got we've got an executive right now who basically thinks they're above everybody. And they were above the legislature. They basically, you know, talked down to the assembly, talked about how they were going to be responsible for all, you know, all this death, destruction and suffering if they didn't just go along and do whatever the executive wanted to do with this with these orders. Legislature decided, "No, you know what? We got a we got a role in this whole little thing called government. As a matter of fact, our role's more important than theirs." Because we make the laws, they're supposed to execute them. And if you start executing things that we didn't say we made, we got to step in. And there's, that's what they're doing. Now, do I, again, do I expect it to, you know, in 90 days, all of a sudden, it's all the end of all the mandates and everything? Not really. I don't expect that to happen anytime soon. Um, and, and the reason why is because 
even if we were successful in rolling it back in Ohio, I can see the federal government all of a sudden flipping the switch. Oh, you know, in order to get all this money, you're going to have to put all these mandates. Oh, in sure, place. sure. So, you know, because now what is it? Joe Biden's talking about three trillion dollar infrastructure stimulus spending bill, folks. We don't have three trillion dollars in this state. We no. just did one point six trillion that we didn't have to hand to send out people yeah. fourteen hundred dollar checks. Um, you can print all the money you want, but pretty soon the value of it reaches the negative numbers, and then we end up with basically an entire crash. Now, Chuck, you and I have said in the past that with the tenuous, if not completely corrupt state of the American economy and our relationships with other countries, that maybe repudiating our debt wasn't such a bad idea. And starting all over again. Well, nothing will get you there faster than devaluing your your currency. Oh, that's right. Nothing gets you there faster than a complete devaluation of your currency. Um, three trillion. There's a three trillion dollar bill that's being developed right now to spend more money that we just don't have. Well, when you say a three tr- trillion dollar bill, they don't mean a printed bill. For three trillion dollars, I've seen one of those before. I think it was from some African country where the oh, val- yeah. where the value of it was less than one half of one cent. Exactly, but, you know, you, and you, that was for the ink that they used. Yeah, you can use them to wallpaper your bathroom. Right, exactly. It's actually cheaper. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you know, but the the point is, is that there's hope, and the reason why I say there's hope is because you have people like this. You have people like the Biden administration. You have people like the governor. You have people like these folks who basically can't see straight in order to protect women and girls going into the bathrooms from guys dressing up in drag in order to be able to be sexual predators. Rejoice. Right. Consider it all blessing because God's exposing all this stuff right now, Chuck. Just like God exposes those beautiful flowers that come up through after the snow yeah, in the springtime uh, yeah. when you when everything was gray and, and bleary and draw and, and you know and snowy and icy and then all of a sudden you see yellows. Crocus and daffodils purples and tulips. And all and the beautiful greenery and you start seeing the red and the yellow budding and the light green yep. budding in the trees. Hope, folks, we've got to keep it. If we don't keep it as believers in Christ who have a greater hope than everybody else around us, how do we expect them to be hopeful? Or do we still, or do we see everybody following the example? And I'm sorry, I keep picking on this poor gentleman, whoever he is, of the guy in the post office who was so frightened of something he really didn't understand, but was told was right. was gonna was gonna harm him if everybody else didn't do what the government tells them to do. Yep. That he's willing to have a confrontation with someone he doesn't even know to try to force them into a behavior that he thinks will protect him. We've got to show the hope. We've got to look at him and say, and this is what I say to people who do that kind of thing to me. Have you read the order? That's all I ask them. Have you read the order? But the governor said, no, no, no. Have you read the order? Because I have. I've read all of them. And do you know what I see in that order? 
I don't see a mandate that says I have to wear a mask. Right. I don't see a mandate that says you have to wear a mask. What I do see is a number of reasons why you shouldn't be wearing a mask. And if you stopped and thought about it for five minutes, you'd realize you're probably exempt from wearing a mask. So, you know, when it gets right down to it, now there is a bill that got introduced here just recently. It's House Bill 202. Jenna Powell from over in West Ohio introduced a bill to eliminate all mask mandates. That's all fine and well, except really it's at the state government level. And the really the mandates now are coming from two different places. They're coming from the local health departments who are and, and the governor's investigative unit who are going into businesses yeah. to make sure that they're complying with, with complying with the orders. And it's coming from the businesses themselves who basically don't understand. Many of them don't understand. You know what? Wait a minute. This is a problem. Now, I have a very favorite business. And I think I mentioned this before. They have a sign on their door. It says that, you know, the government has uh, indicated that you, you need to wear a mask in order to, you know, conduct business in our business. However, you know, we would assume that if you're not wearing a mask, you have a medical condition that's an exemption under the order. And according, yeah. and according to federal law, we cannot ask you about your health, your health conditions as, as a uh, uh, part of HIPAA. Part of, yeah, it's part of HIPAA, but basically as a condition of you shopping with us. So feel free to shop and, and have a good day. <laughs> you know? Yeah, there are a couple businesses in town that are doing that. If a business owner would put up a sign that says, look, we think this is stupid but we're required to tell you to wear a mask. You know what I'd do? I'd wear a mask happily in there, you know, help keep them off our back. Uh, Barry, this is something we don't have time to discuss it, but this is the difference between a, a top-down yes. government versus a bottom-up government. Well, absolutely. Uh, um, a, a movement that starts with uh, you and me as individuals and moves up through our legislatures, both the state and federal, versus... Uh, handing over dictatorial powers to presidents and governors and very often bureaucratic heads of agencies who basically make decrees uh, that come under administrative law and not under the regular legal system. Yep. Where so you can be dragged into a into a uh, legislative or a uh, administrative court and essentially a kangaroo court. Where you're considered uh, guilty until proven innocent. Yep. And that happens all the time. If you don't think so, then you're not paying close attention. That's true. Um, and we need to think, you know, uh, uh, part of this has to do with, uh, um, you know, church government structures. Uh, Barry and I are both Presbyterians. That's a bottom-up system. Uh as opposed to maybe Roman Catholic and Episcopalian, which I've been Episcopalian before, which is a top-down system. Uh, bishops make decrees, archbishops right. make decrees, and that yes. kind of thing. Um, but not in a Presbyterian system. It's it's uh, uh, the uh, elders uh, working under the auspices of the those who've elected them, they're members of their church, uh, come up with these things, uh, um, give an overture to, to mm -hmm. the presbytery, and, uh, um, and the presbytery works on it, sets up committee to discuss it. That's why nothing ever gets done in the Presbyterian church. Because there's always an overture and a committee working on something. So, uh, that being said, you know what we think, and we want to know what you think. Uh, www.principledpolicy.com. That's principledpolicy.com. And, yes, you can comment on these. 
You can send us a nasty gram. Keep it clean. Please do. Yes, please do. You know, you guys don't communicate enough with us because we want to be able to uh, interact with what you... We won't uh, get nasty back. We will not get nasty back. We might uh, refute something that you're saying, but we're we're not going to make fun of you, and we're not going to read your name on and, you know, say bad things about you. So that being said, uh, www.principledpolicy.com, and join us again next week for another Principles and Policies. Yep.